Do you guys want to go to the mall? I want to buy a new swatch. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Cheap Smut. My name is Katie Mizell. And my name is Carl Mizell. And this is a podcast where I read books about sex and then tell my husband about them. And then uh, I get low-key horny about it and then push up on her after the episode it's is done true. recording. It happens recording. every time. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you know that about us. How are you, my love? I'm great. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to get low-key horny and push up on you later. <laughs> uh probably not i think we had that energy and i i i feel like it's the day just kind of yeah yeah the day kind of it wasn't a bad day it wasn't a bad day no it was a nice day i took the kids for a bike ride around the neighborhood talked to our neighbors uh the kids had a blast on the bike ride uh had garbage plates for dinner Mm. gotta love a garbage plate Shout out to Rochester, New York. Yeah, I mean we modify it. Yeah, but. Uh, we we make we make quote unquote garbage plates. They're not garbage plates. You have to get a garbage plate in Rochester, New York. Yeah, I make a, an approximation of what the internet says one is supposed to taste like. It's a uh, a suggestion of a garbage plate. Yeah, I mean it's it's a delicious meaty mixture on top of potatoes topped with a hot dog but we are from michigan so we do not use white hots we modify it with a kogel vienna because you have to eat a kogel if you're from michigan you can't eat any other kind of hot dog it's true they'll kick you out i, I will personally <laughs> she will personally <laughs> remove you from the state of michigan <laughs> how are you sweetheart well <laughs> yeah opening that can of worms aren't uh, we <laughs> i am I am currently waist deep in the middle of a depressive episode, which I just really realized today. And I'm sad. I have no reason to be sad, but that's what depression is. It's fucking dumb sometimes. You just get sad and there's no reason for it. And my brain is just, you know, it's like a big pile of tangled spaghetti of mental stuff. And I, I really should go back to therapy. Yeah. Yeah, you should. And I will at some point. Yeah. I didn't mean that like, yeah, you should. I just mean you were doing really well. I was. I was doing great. And then the insurance changed and then I couldn't keep my therapist anymore. And our new insurance, while being fantastic, is um, it's difficult to find providers in our area because it's fantastic insurance. They don't let just anybody uh, get certified. Yeah. Uh, So the options are limited. Yeah. And... My best friend, they did just find that their psychiatrist slash uh, mental health office does take our insurance. So I'm probably going to go to their place. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I was doing through that. I think it was yesterday morning. I, I found myself lying in bed. I woke up around six like I normally do, but I didn't get up until like 6.50 and I had no idea. I was like, well, I should grab my phone and get out of bed. And I'd just been laying there for like 45 minutes just staring at the ceiling. So I know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. You just, you, you stop walking for a second and you go, why is there a deep pit of despair in my gut? Right. It just feels like you're slowly being dragged yeah. down. Welcome to Depression Talk. Anyway. With Katie and Carl. Yeah. Now, w- we have to amend the record 
a slight bit because at the end of last week's episode, yes, you said you were going to read a book. Yeah. Last week I said that this week we were going to do The Dalwick Demon by Ashley Bennett. I am still going to do The Dalwick Demon by Ashley Bennett. I am also still going to do A Soul to Keep by Opal Rain, but I have been in my feelings all week and so very very sad and so I decided that I was going to take a break from reading new stuff because it was um well it was just it was too hard for my brain I couldn't do it and instead I went back into the vaults to find the old classic um I watched I was on TikTok the other day and I saw this TikTok where a girl sorry not a girl where a user was um talking about an unhinged book that they had read in college and they started describing this book and I went I know that book that's my favorite book it might be unhinged but it is also the greatest book of all time I need to read it again and so I did and so here we are (laughs) yeah and that's how and that's how this podcast works it's ours we can do whatever we want exactly we can do whatever we want so this week instead of doing the Dalwick demon I will be reading nice girls don't have fangs by Molly Harper now, Molly Harper is the first author, specifically like smut author, mm-hmm. that I became aware that you were into. Like that's the first name yes. that I became aware of. And you yeah. have read everything, everything she's ever written. Yeah. With the exception of two books or not one series because it's a, a YA series. And I generally speaking don't read YA at all. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, a couple of things I haven't been able to track down yeah, because they're just not available. But otherwise, if you were to ask me probably still now, even who is your favorite romance author? I would answer Molly Harper. Mm -hmm. Fellow Michigan resident. If I remember correctly. Yes. She does live in Michigan with her husband. Yeah. Shout out fellow Michigander. Hello, Molly. I love you. You'll never hear this probably. And I don't care. I love you. You never know. Yeah. Well, in that case, Let's just get after it. Yes, let's. Let us begin. Nice Girls Don't Have Fangs is available on Kindle for $9.99, far outside of our normal price range. But we're doing this this week because I needed a treat. So we're spending however much money we need to spend. But I do recommend buying this book if you have access to an audiobook um, interface, particularly Audible, um, to get it in audio because it is performed by the indomitable Amanda Ronconi, who does an amazing job. She makes Molly Harper's books 15 times better than they are on their own. She's so damn good. Um, so this book was written. Let's keep this in mind now. If anybody wants to go back and read it, I highly recommend it. But this book was written in 2009. And it reads like it was written in 2009. It's a it's a style of book that I don't even know if people write anymore. It's a chick lick chick lit book that features zany characters, wacky situations, off like off the wall oddball comedy. And I don't really know if anybody makes a book like this anymore. Does Molly Harper even make a book like that anymore? Um, well, you know, the last book in this in the Half Moon Hollow series came out l- like two years ago, mm-hmm. and I read it, and it's not it's not the same as it used to be. It, 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 her writing has changed with the times just as much as anybody has to change with the times. Yeah. But uh, technically, yes, not Molly Harper still writes books like Molly Harper. 
which is great. Right. So it's kept a voice. The vo- exactly. The voice is still recognizable, but the style, the choices yes. are noticeably different. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, do we have any content warnings? Uh, yes. Content warnings for uh, nice girls don't have fangs include gun violence, death of a major character, and rebirth of a major character. Um perilous situations animal endangerment and um well vampirism and all the things that go along with that so blood sharing mm-hmm. and um blood in general <laughs> yeah. okay well you're gonna host this one on your own because of the animals in peril so <laughs> good luck no, no, i'm just kidding uh I, it's only when i see it happen yeah he's really not bad. he's not even really in peril it's just he's just inconvenienced <laughs> he's not even <laughs> We'll get to it later. <laughs> All right. But, well, let's get into it. Yeah. So these books have often been compared to the Charlene Harris uh, Sookie Stackhouse books. They have a lot of similarities to the Sookie Stackhouse books, as do several other vampire romance novels of this era. Like there was a whole style of them. So I thought we would do just a little breakdown of the vampire lore as it exists in Molly Harper's world. Now, the Sookie Stackhouse books are the True Blood Yeah, series. they're what okay. True Blood was based on. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I'm just going to read Guess get into my goddamn notes. Okay. Are um, you're, you're laughing at your own notes? Yes. This is a good sign. Yes. Uh, comparisons to Charlene Harris books, but fuck her. Molly is better and the negative reviews can catch these hands. I know it's corny and the comedy is dated and I don't care. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. There's your, I don't know, disclaimer. If you ever, if you decide to go back and read these books. So uh, I grew up in the eighties watching John Hughes films and a lot of films that do not stand up. I still appreciate them. I still value them. I'll still show them to our kids one day when they're old enough. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. We're going to have to explain Long Duck Dong to our kids one day. Well, we don't have to explain <laughs> it to them so much as we just say well, it was a different era. No, we're going to have to say that's some racist shit Yeah, so to it's totally extremely racist. <laughs> a different racist era. Yeah. Uh, okay. So for some cultural context here, vampires have always existed. And they've been under the radar the whole time. Mostly they keep to themselves and they police themselves until in 1999, an accountant named Arnie Frank was turned into a vampire and he decided he wanted to just keep working as an accountant. But he asked his employer for night hours and was denied. So he went to court to sue them with a diagnosis for porphyria and he was denied in court. So instead, he... (laughs) slathered in sunscreen in the middle of the day because the vampires can go out in the sun if they have high enough sunscreen he stood up in court and shouted that he was a vampire which was a medical condition that prevented him from working during the day and therefore he was afforded rights under the americans with disabilities act and he was hauled off you know by the men in white coats to get psychiatric treatment but he uh, was found to have no pulse and to be unkillable and indeed be a vampire so he was awarded a settlement and his night hours and vampires officially came quote out of the coffin in 2000 arnie frank night accountant arnie frank night accountant i will that is I, I would love to see the montage of them trying to prove that he's unkillable. I know, right? <laughs> Dropping him from a high building, a couple of guys standing there, white coats and clipboards. Exactly. Yes. So at this point in 2000, um, the vampires sort of realized that they should have come out of the coffin along. Oh, also in this book, um, vampirism is an allegory for being gay in the South in the mid 2000s. Yeah. Just so 
as I talk about this, you're going to see a lot of similarities. It's not subtle. She's trying. This mm-hmm. is on purpose. Um, kind of like the X-Men. Kind of like the X-Men. Yeah, it was an allegory for being, you know, black in the 60s and gay in the 80s. So at this point, the vampires realize they probably should have made themselves known a long time ago. A select contingent of their governing body uh, makes themselves aware to the United Nations and demands that they be recognized by the governments of the world. And they negotiate certain like legal safety nets like, you know, thousands of years of unpaid taxes and several identity changes and all of the things you have to do to be a vampire and stay under the radar for so long. After that happened, there was a couple of years of turmoil in the United States. The federal government, you know, set a sweeping nighttime curfew to keep the human citizens safe. Although we've seen how well curfews and... um, (laughs) mandates work so lord knows how well that worked out for them back then um (laughs) probably not great although back then in the early 2000s i think people were more into the idea of the common good maybe yeah i mean this is post mid pre mid and post 9 11 people probably behaved a little differently back then i don't remember i was only 12 yeah so like vampire defense kits start getting sold at walmart and people angry mobs are taking vampires out of their homes and throwing them into the sun like en masse but because they are dead you cannot be charged with murder if you kill a vampire nice Um, they autumn like the human authorities automatically consider it to be self-defense vampires don't have any rights in the united states outside of the standard right to not you know to spend money essentially i mean that sucks then eventually it all sort of settles down and people realize like hey vampires have always been around and we've never had a problem until now and the problem isn't the vampires the problem is the people so uh the vampires pretty quickly get that shit under control by forming the um government relations body and the public face of the vampire community called the world council for the equal treatment of the undead um and everything sort of settles down then the advent of synthetic blood makes it so that vampires don't need to kill people at all anymore bottled blood just like in the true blood world Mm -hmm. they can also purchase donor blood and there are um, blood surrogates you can hire to pay them for a pint right out of the right out of the tap and they (laughs) and they can drink animal blood specifically mostly pigs and cows which is readily available at a butcher so there's no reason for people to be afraid of vampires the World Council for the Equal Treatment of, of the Undead is a, an incredibly complex and bureaucratic system with steep punishments for transgressions. Both human and vampire crimes are punished by the World Council and their, their most intense punishment is what is known as the trial. And that's when they shove a poker up your ass. And then lock you in a coffin until you starve to death. I was going to say, what's the trial? That's it. That's not a trial. It's called the trial. That's... (laughs) I didn't say that they were a good system of government. I said they were an effective system of government. I mean, that's a huge misdirect. (laughs) Oh, no, come on in, man. You just got to come in for the trial. It's cool. (laughs) They call it that because it sounds scary. The trial. It you would, have been you have been found guilty. Your punishment is the trial. It would be way scarier if you called it exactly what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Come in for the part where we shove a red hot poker up your ass, lock you in a coffin, and wait for you to starve to death. Yep. That's way scarier. 
or they will lock you in a concrete box full of bees. See? <laughs> Again, just call it what it is. A few other things that we need to know about vampires in this world. Vampires do burn in the sunlight and sleep during the day, but they can go out in the sunlight if they have enough sun protection and they can be awake during the day with enough caffeine and willpower, but they need so much caffeine that it would actually kill a human being. Yeah. Third shift vampires. Yep. Um, They are preternaturally strong, preternaturally fast and beautiful. They have to be in order to attract prey essentially every vampire is the most beautiful version of themselves uh they often have special additional powers like glamoring uh meaning yep. jedi mind tricking people into doing whatever they want mind reading um in this series there's a vampire who can control electricity there's a vampire who can see the truth in your head no matter how good you are at lying uh there's finding lost objects and speaking with squirrels like all kinds of crazy shit that the that the vampires can do and some of them can fly and shapeshift but only the really really old ones they are allergic to silver if you touch if they touch it it will burn their skin and they can only be killed by a stake through the heart beheading or being burned though that would kill anyone yeah so (laughs) vampires there you go they're just like us exactly uh so that's the that's the background that we need to know on vampires in molly harper's world and now we're going to get into the actual book with our heroine her name is jane jameson she's a 28 year old children's librarian and uh she lives in the town of half moon hollow kentucky which is a two stoplight town where everybody knows everybody and if the right people get married the entire town will be related by marriage i think i drove through that town when i was on my work trip a I think ago. you did because I sent you I, I said if you get anywhere near Mon- Monkey's Eyebrow Kentucky I want you to go there oh no I wasn't near Monkey's Eyebrow or Possum Holler yeah both places that are in Molly Harper's books that are also real because yeah. Molly Harper is from I believe from Kentucky yeah no I just I, I drove through several small Kentucky towns while I was down in uh, southwest Ohio north west or northern Kentucky uh, Monkey's Eyebrow is a little further west I didn't get over there yeah I just love that there's a place in Kentucky called Monkey's Eyebrow. It's will, so funny. I will get there because Monkey's Eyebrow is not far from where the now defunct Butt Drugs. Ah, uh, Butt Drugs. Is, right, uh, may you rest in peace, but, Butt Drugs. You yep. were the source of many a joke in our in, house. In Croydon, Indiana, I think. Croydon, Croydon. Okay. Anyway, continue. Continue. Okay, so Jane is... Jane's dad is a, is the head of the history department at the local community college. Jane's mom is an overbearing. She's like she's like a southern Dee Dee Ketzenberg. Okay. Uh, if you remember Dee Dee from our from our two parter on Inked by Rachel Renner, she's pretty much the same. She's overbearing. She's she loves you, but in a smothering way. Yeah. And she often, you know, like picks at Jane's clothing and the fact that she's unmarried at 28 and like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And she has a sister named Jenny who was a popular cheerleader type. So she never got along with Jane because Jane is smart and a smart ass and uh, never really fit in well in the town at all because she's unusual. Mm. I identified a lot with her when I first read this book in like 2011 2012 Mm -hmm. I am not ashamed to admit that these books deeply affected parts of my personality I probably still have more Jane Jameson in me than I realize Mm -hmm. Um, so Jane went to college to study library sciences and then she got a job as the youth librarian at her local town library she'll never leave Half Moon Hollow 
she tried she can't she it's her home for all of its foibles jane loves jane loves the holler yeah uh except that uh there's a problem now because jane is being fired from her job well yeah that well well <laughs> so her boss is her boss is basically firing her uh like using she so her boss has used her influence with the um library like board to get jane fired for quote budgetary issues basically just so she could replace jane with her own stepdaughter mm. um nepotism nepotism yep so jane gets called into her boss's office and told that she is being let go and she is handed an envelope with her severance and jane's like oh good some you know some cash and maybe a cobra application for my health insurance no she is given a 25 dollar gift certificate to the local flair restaurant shenanigans <laughs> um and, along with free potato skins and that's all she's getting out of her time and service to the half moon hollow public library it's more than i got when i lost my last job yeah so she drives right over, over to shenanigans and immediately gets blasted on electric lemonades which were huge in the mid 2000s i don't even know if young people today would know what an electric lemonade is but it's uh it's vodka lemonade and blue curacao Sheesh. <laughs> yeah i drank a lot of those <sighs> back in the day they'll get you fucked up which is exactly what happens to her and then she meets a tall dark handsome stranger named gabriel nightingale in the bar and they st- then they talk until the bar closes at the end of the night, she has sobered up and she gets in her car to drive home and her car, which is this old hunk of junk called Big Bertha, dies on the side of the road. So she climbs out and, to, and decides to walk home because she's not that far away from home anyway. But as she's climbing out of the ditch, the local drunk, whose name is Bud McElray, is sitting in his truck being drunk and in a truck for some fucking reason and uh, mistakes her for a deer climbing out of the ditch and shoots her. Mm. Except he thinks he missed, so he drives away, and she's lying dying in a ditch. Uh, that escalated quickly. I know, I know, poor Jane. <laughs> I have the the amount of shit that happens to her in this book over the course of just a couple months is frankly unsettling. I'm already unsettled. Yeah. So Gabriel happened to be following behind her to make sure she got home most okay, um, but he wasn't following close enough to save her life. Yeah. No shit. Um, like how bad job gabriel bad job indeed bad job mr nightingale um but he is able to turn her into a vampire so that's how jane turn- becomes a vampire she got mistaken for a deer and shot and died in a ditch it's a great story to tell at your next vampire party seriously though. god bless how'd you get turned god bless real fun story yeah so this series is actually four books that leads into a much larger series called the half moon hollow series which is like 15 books and that story gets told repeatedly throughout the course of those books mostly to make fun of jane see (laughs) i told you yeah well you were right you were absolutely right so um when a vampire turns they uh are actually dead for three days so jane wakes up three days later in some strange bedroom she has no fucking idea where she's been changed into new clothes she's not very comfortable with that and for a second she doesn't remember what happened she thinks that she has been drugged and possibly assaulted and or kidnapped and then she gets up to look at herself in the mirror and she realized that she's way hotter now Mm -hmm. like like the way they describe it is like she looks like herself but like her hair it has more shine and better waves and better color and like her teeth are whiter and possibly even straighter how does she know this what do you mean how does she know that she's hotter because she can see herself 
in a mirror? Yeah. So the so that's the one piece of vampire lore that Molly Harper just flung to the wind was that vampires can see their reflections in this world. Well, there are lots of versions of the vampire myth where they can see their reflections. I've, n- I've never seen one. I always thought they. All, I, I thought that was just like I thought that was like a vampire. Ba- like we all agreed that vampires can't see their own reflection. Oh yeah, no, the, yeah, they can see themselves. All right. Um, they can't turn into bats or like clouds of mist or, and they can see themselves in mirrors. So some of the old Dracula stuff. Oh, they are also they also don't give a flying fuck about garlic. You know, just not all of it's true, but some of it's true. But so she can see herself in the mirror. And like I said, she looks hotter. And for like a vague second, she's like, oh, my God, my mom finally did it. She finally tranquilized me and got me on Extreme Makeover. (laughs) Extreme Makeover at Children was an incredibly traumatic and terrible show that never should have existed. Uh, Don't look it up. Um, And then Gabriel startles her and she jumps so high she clings to the ceiling. And that's when things start clicking. Mm hmm. And she is now a vampire and he kind of explains it to her and she's really fucking pissed. He wants her to stay with him. The traditionally accepted method of becoming a vampire means that you're going to stay with your sire for a while because your sire is your like is the responsible party (laughs) making sure that you don't go off on a bloodbender and kill children in the streets you know your vampire coach yeah but she doesn't want to do that so she decides to go home she runs home which she can do now Uh, (laughs) she's never very athletic in her life but she's athletic in her death she lives in the historical family home of her family which was given to her by her great aunt jetty when her great aunt jetty died it's this nice antebellum home on a big piece of property in the middle of the outskirts of town called river oaks it sounds fancy it's not it's just a nice house Mm -hmm. but um when she gets home her bff uh zeb zeb lavelle who is described in the book as being steve zahn with big brown doe eyes Mm -mm. (laughs) wow okay is waiting for her again uh, that is the most dated reference i've heard so far steve zahn i know (laughs) at at one point in the book she calls herself the undead Lindsay lohan wow yeah (laughs) i'm telling you man there's some dated material in here but it's good wow the, the the characters may be undead, but these references, boy. <laughs> Deader than dust. So anyway, she gets home, she finds Zeb, and she uh, tries to eat him because she left before Gabriel could tell her that she's going to, she's going to be really hungry as soon as she's like, you, you woke up after three days of being dead, you're going to be really hungry. Um, so she tries to eat him in a scene that is way too horny for what it is but gabriel comes to the rescue is she trying to suck the blood out of his dick like no no but she like climbs on top of it and she's like grabbing at his shirt even though she's like me and zeb are not like this we do not do this uh zeb is a very sweet soul but he is a kindergarten teacher and he has been her best friend since they were in diapers she's not does not think of him that way and he doesn't think of her that way but gabriel comes along and he fixes the situation. He has the ability to like mind wipe people. So he puts Zeb to sleep and says he'll take his memories. And then he feeds Jane her first meal Sweet. as a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gabriel, by the way, was turned when he was 21. He looks like he's 21, but he's actually like 180 or something. Um, which is, uh, it's funny to me when I think about it. Because I picture a guy who looks like... 
I don't know, like Timothy Chalamet, like the way he's written, Mm -hmm. he sounds a bit like he could be played by Timothy Chalamet, but he's like this paternalistic old world kind of asshole at the start of this whole (laughs) whole book. I think it'd be way funnier if it was Michael Sarah. Yeah. Yes. I think he could be Michael Sarah. But like, you know, the hottest version of Michael Sarah, which is still Michael Sarah, but it's like you think he's playing a character. <laughs> so everybody just goes with it. So that in my brain, this is going to be Michael Sarah for the okay. rest of the <laughs> Go for it. It's Michael Sarah. It's Michael Sarah. So Gabriel feeds her her first meal and then she kicks him out. He takes Zeb home. And as soon as the door closes and she sits down and she's like, holy fuck, what the hell is going on with my life? She is greeted by her dear dearly departed aunt jetty who is a ghost and she can see her now because she's a vampire <laughs> and jetty's like thank god yeah and so bored aunt jetty's been hanging no she hasn't been bored because she's been hanging out here the whole time watching over jane but also fucking with her for fun <laughs> like cold chills up her spine the vague feeling of unease the constantly hiding the car keys that was all aunt jetty just having a good time she also can come and go as she pleases and see the other ghosts in town and she's like dating jane's dead grandpa (laughs) it's it's really funny (laughs) because she's like 80 years old 80 year old ghost ladies get needs too yes they do yes they do um they she and jane talk for a little while jane's very happy to have her aunt jetty back because she's the only one who ever understood her she was the the ballsy odd one of her generation of half moon hollow residents so they've always sort of been connected by that and then uh dawn approaches and jane just sort of passes out Mm -mm -mm. uh because the sun will call you to sleep when you are a vampire i thought you meant a person (laughs) like a person named dawn i I literally thought you meant a person (laughs) named like dawn and then (laughs) Jane was just like, ah! <laughs> no, no, Dawn, when the sun comes up. <laughs> I didn't know that was a new character. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I genuinely was so confused. Like, what I'm the fuck sorry. is up with Dawn? <laughs> nope. Nothing. No. Uh, I get it now. So the next morning, uh, or the next evening, I should say, um, when she wakes up, there is a knock on her door, and she is greeted by Missy, the uh, head of the local chapter of the um, newly undead welcoming committee. Oh, I love it. I hope she brought a little like welcome basket. She brought a gift yes. basket. <laughs> Mostly full of blood and blood products. Yep. Um, and also a copy of the guide for the newly undead. Because when I say these bitches are bureaucratic and they love their paperwork, I mean, it comes like vampirism comes with a handbook. It has to. Yeah, it you does. to. Um, every chapter of this book starts with a quote from the guide for the newly undead. Uh, anyway, so uh, Missy is perky and cl- pink clad and her nails match her purse, match her phone case, match her shoes. Match her dog. Ma- yeah. If she had a tiny dog, it would have a tiny collar that would match oh, yeah. the whole thing. Um, and she is a real estate agent. She is the top selling real estate agent in the in the state. And she's a vampire and she's so cute and so sweet. And in my head, she's played by Anna Camp. I, I'm picturing everybody's Michael Sarah. <laughs> well, in my head, it's Anna Camp, Anna Camp, and she does a fantastic job of it. Well, Anna, uh, Anna Camp's great. She is. She's fantastic. Let's see what happens next here. Oh, Jane's parents come over for a visit and Jane tries to tell them that she is now a vampire, 
but she can't. So she decides she's just going to hide it from them for as long as humanly vampirly possible. <laughs> Do the what's the logistics of their fangs? Are they always fanged? Do no, they... they like grow. Okay. They grow when they feed or when they're hungry or angry. But most of the time they just look normal. Okay. Like normal teeth. Jane's mama, Sherry, brings over a pot pie for her because she can't not feed her uh, every single time they she sees her. So when they leave, Jane just is like, I just need comfort right now. So I'm just going to eat some of my mama's pot pie. And she puts a bite in her mouth and immediately spits it out. And that's when she learns that vampires cannot eat solid food anymore. You mentioned that on another episode. I did. Yeah. So there are some versions of the vampire myth where they can eat solid food. Like in Twilight, Edward says that it's like eating dirt, but it won't hurt you. It just won't do anything to you. But in Molly Harper's world, vampires lack the enzymes required to break down solids. So they cannot eat solid food. If they swallow solid food, they will vomit. Gross. Yeah. It's awful. Although there is a really great um, storyline in a uh, novella that she wrote, the name of which I can't remember, about a uh, a woman who becomes a vampire chef and figures out how to make blood taste like other things and becomes an incredibly popular chef in Half Moon Hollow. I'll bet. Yeah. So after she has to spit out her mama's pot pie and she cries for a little while about the fact that she'll never eat her mama's pot pie and the last thing she had was a mudslide... Um, <laughs> She goes over to see Zeb because she thinks that Zeb has had his memory wiped. But Zeb remembers that she is a vampire and their first interaction is incredibly tense. <laughs> he tries to stab her and she pulls the knife right back out and it heals right back up again. And he's like terrified but also fascinated. So he stabs her in the thigh and so she pulls it out and he watches it heal again. And he tries to stab her again and she's like, do not fucking do that again. And that begins a night of them doing increasingly more dangerous shit to watch Jane regenerate. Yes. So the montage yeah. <laughs> that you wanted to see happens in the book. I don't care what anybody says. Every movie, every television show is made better by a training montage by a tet like let's see how invulnerable I am montage. I love shit like that. I will. I, I, I'm a sucker for it. Yeah. Well, the, this particular montage ends with Jane doing a swan dive off of the second story of her home and then them watching as her head and neck snap back up into the right place again and then she's like i got a headache i think it's time to be done yeah no shit <laughs> and also it's like two in the morning and zeb has to go because zeb's got to work yeah, it still hurts yeah it does still hurt every time something happens to her she goes to walmart to the undead needs aisle just to see because there's like that's the other thing that they say happened when the um when vampires came out of the coffin the recession that we were going into at the beginning of the 2000s never happened because the economy expanded to to accommodate all of the vampiric needs mm -hmm. including a bunch of nighttime businesses and now there is no recession Vampires are legitimately spending money in the country, and now there is no recession. Uh, but there is now an undead needs aisle at Walmart. How many vampires are there that it can completely turn around the fortunes of an entire massive economy? More than you would think. More uh, than yeah. you would think. I mean, Half Moon Hollow is not the best representation because it has a lot of vampires in it, more than are expected yeah. in a small town. But there are 
tons of them all over the world. Uh, they come and they go, they live and they die. They have an entire system of government. So they're big enough to require a governing body. You know, there's a lot of them. That's just crazy. And after, after the great coming out, there were more because people decided they wanted to be turned. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine waking up one day and finding out that there was a way that you could never die and be eternally the hottest version of yourself? People would be lining up. But coach, I'm me. Yeah. Well, you can't all be Jamie Tart. <laughs> I mean, on paper, it definitely, I mean, I do understand the appeal, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I get bored pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine. I, I get pretty bored at 44. I can't imagine how bored I'd get at 444. Yeah. Well, I guess if you really wanted to, eventually you could just walk out into the sun and be done with it. Uh, I probably would yeah. at some point. <laughs> I do the that very Midwestern. Yep. <laughs> slap your legs. Yep, stand slap up. Slap my legs. Yep. I guess I'd better get going. Time to get out of here. And then I'd stick around for another fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very specific kind of joke. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't care that I said it. That's funny. Yeah. Well, it was funny. <laughs> it was really funny. Good job. Thank you. You're welcome. So after she goes to Walmart where she sees all of like the products that are now available to her, including certain things like um, you like vampires need specific mouthwash because of how strong their teeth are. Like there's a book in the series later down the line where a human accidentally uses vampiric mouthwash and she almost burns her gums. Like they're just it's just that strong. And like the floss that they need to use is metal piano wire. Yeah. It's a high E string from a guitar. Yeah. And plus all of the, the various kinds of alternatives to blood that are now being marketed to vampires constantly. But the most popular of which is a brand called Faux Type O. I, I, w- I, I, I hope that Arizona got in on it and there's one that's always 99 cents. <laughs> I hope so, too. You know what? I hope Arnold Palmer is a vampire and they just named it after him, too. Why not? <laughs> Why not? No, he's actually dead. Katie, no. I'm so sorry. R.I.P. I know he's dead, but I mean, I assumed I'm he was <laughs> dead. Otherwise, he'd be like 109. Yeah, he would be wicked old. <laughs> um, anyway, so after she goes to Walmart, she comes home and she finds a woman sitting on her porch waiting for her. And this is Andrea. Andrea is a blood surrogate that Gabriel has hired and sent to her house because Gabriel believes that she needs to eat blood from living sources because he worries about, like, what would happen if there are supply line issues with your faux type O. He's he's very paternalistic and controlling. It takes four books for him to finally, like, not be an, a total dick to her all the time. Get the red-hot poker out of his ass, exactly. so to speak. Exactly, exactly. Jane does not want to eat from living people ever. She feels uncomfortable with it. But Andrea is like, look, I am a willing participant. I am being paid to be here. I am consenting to this. Give it a go. Just try it. And Jane does decide to give it a shot, uh, mostly because Andrea has type AB negative blood, which is incredibly rare and apparently very tasty. Gross. Yeah. But afterwards, she sends Andrea home. She sends Andrea away, and she runs to Gabriel's house and like lectures him <laughs> on how that was not okay. Do not do that again. And uh, then they have sort of like a vampire Yoda 
thing where he takes her out into the woods and like shows her how to use her night vision to like find animals in the woods to eat if she ever if she wants to eat you know if she does if she doesn't want to eat people he's going to teach her how to hunt animals and then once they do all of that like I am the night I can see beyond the you know whatever blah 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 that they do there they have a kiss and oh it's so sweet it's very sweet. Um, this book is a slow burn, long form romance. Mm-hmm. So there's not going to be nearly the amount of fucking that there yeah. is in any of the books that we have read in the past. About how many pages is this book? Good question. Oh, it's you've, have you always, li- listened, always to listened to it? I've always listened to it. How many audio? hours? 13. All right. 12. That's a, that's a decent book. Yeah. Three hundred and something yeah. pages. I can I can look up. The, oh no, I was just curious. Okay, so I can look up the page count on Kindle. No, no, just no, take no. me a second. Don't worry about it. It's more for the listeners. After that kiss, Jane goes back home and goes to bed. The next evening, she uses her uh, all of her librarian skills and her stolen passwords that have not been changed from the library to look up Gabriel and get to know more about him. And that's when she learns that he was born in what eighteen fifty eight to wealth wealthy tobacco farmers in the area. So he lived through the Civil War and he, quote unquote, disappeared when he was 21. And the story that his family fed everyone was that he was out traveling in Portugal and got mauled to death by a sea lion. <laughs> uh, because in 1858, apparently they thought sea lions were vicious, vicious enough to kill a man. <laughs> it's got the name, the, the word lion right in yeah, the name. I, I guess if you live in 1858, Kentucky. The shit you believed mm-hmm. in 1858. Yes. So... That's when he got turned. His family disowned him, but then everybody in his family died out. So he used whatever nefarious legal blah, blah, blahs he had to to get the family home back in his name and the property and the farm. And that's how he made his money. And now he does mostly investments and he lives a a life of nightly leisure is Gabriel Nightingale, (laughs) rich Southern vampire gentleman. He's very smooth and very suave. He's a very specific kind of character that I remember a lot from the 2000s that don't get written so much anymore because we've leaned really modern modern romance novels have leaned really into like the dark and broody yeah and the downright unwell in some <laughs> cases uh, <laughs> uh, and the monsters Lord do we fuck so many monsters in the modern era of romance um, but back then Gabriel Nightingale Gabriel Nightingale was like peak romance guy we've seen so much shit that we have to fuck monsters to feel anything anymore (laughs) that's that's what it's boiled down to (laughs) for serious for real for real what do you mean what do you mean he's yeah okay he's a vampire but he has a normal dick yeah just a regular dick this guy's Uh. dick has a dick on it and that dick has a face (laughs) and that face Licks my clit while the say, other dick <laughs> fucks me. I was going to say, that face has a tongue and that tongue licks my clit. Exactly. Oh, we thought about the same thing. Okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, moving on, uh, back to not face dicks. Um, <laughs> Carl just made up a weird dick. Yeah. So without a job, Jane is incredibly bored. She has nothing to do. So she decides she's going to call Andrea just to be her friend and go and, and t- take Andrea to to the bar. They're just going to go out. Yeah. Just like have a good time. Andrea takes her to a local sports bar that is vampire friendly. And they just hang out for the evening and start developing what is my favorite friendship in the entire series. 
I love these two women when they are together. They mm-hmm. are hilarious and they are very loving and supportive of each other. Okay, so while they are at the bar at the end of the night, Andrea gets like ridiculously drunk. So Jane just pours her into the back of her car because she's unconscious at that point. And uh, the lovely, cuddly teddy bear of a human bartender, Norm, gets shaken down by a vampire for the whatever's in the cash box. And Jane does not agree with us lifting the lovely, cuddly, t- you know, teddy bear of a bartender over our heads asking for money. So she decides to intervene and she gets involved in a fist fight with this vampire (laughs) this vampire's name is walter and uh she gets her ass vaguely kicked by walter and then she vaguely kicks walter's ass and then she kicks him in the nuts and that sort of takes him takes him down a peg she also knocks out a fang and that's when she learns that vampire fangs are the only part of their body that won't regenerate oh so she has officially made Walter's life very hard by punching a fang right out of it. Vampire dentistry has to be huge. Yeah. Vampire dentists, like specifically vampire dentists are a thing. Part of the growing vampire economy, if you will. Yeah. And after the parking lot fight, while she's trying to get herself composed, that's when she meets another favorite character of mine, the vampire Dick Cheney. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Now I remember. Did we had that? We had that on a, it was a magnet, a fridge magnet. Where yep. is that fridge? It, I don't know. It's around here somewhere. Yeah, we had it. It's got to be in a box. I because re- I remember seeing it on the fridge in Philly. You know what? We lost a bunch of frig- fridge magnets in f- when we moved from Philly because we lost all the alphabet fridge magnets that we had for. Ah. It might be gone now. But anyway, I had I had a I had a a fridge magnet that said everybody loves the vampire Dick Cheney. But it said everybody loves dick like the those letters were very pronounced but then like in smaller font the vampire yeah and then below dick it said in cheney. Front of cheney yeah, yeah. so it's if you looked at it it just said everybody loves dick yeah at first at first glance yeah anyway um so this is where she meets the vampire dick cheney who is um incredibly salty about the fact that his name is dick cheney and in, in in the book he says i was dick cheney before he was here and i'll be dick cheney after he's dead dick cheney <laughs> boys and girls uh, is a terrible terrible monster of a human being uh former vice president uh profited off the war during his time in office etc yeah. etc et the, pre- the previous generation of horrible republican politicians yeah he, he seems almost quaint by comparison to right. day, these days he uh also shot a guy he did shoot a guy and during a hunting accident quote accident filled him filled his face full of buckshot yeah anyway yeah so Jane meets Dick. This is the beginning of what will be a uh, centuries-long friendship for them. I love, I love him so much. He is a handsome, charming, and incredibly shady entrepreneur. But in that way, that's like if you need if you need like knockoff Levi's from Russia, he's your guy. Just don't ask him where he got them. Yeah, when people say I got a guy, he's the guy. He's the guy exactly. Dick Cheney is. Friends from the cradle with Gabriel Nightingale, but they hate each other for various reasons. Gabriel got turned by a woman who thought it would be funny to turn him. And Dick Cheney got turned 10 years later by a vampire in New Orleans who thought, well, if he just had a long enough timeline, he could probably pay off that debt. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. uh, A gambling debt. So... That's that's all you really need to know about Dick Cheney. He's incredibly handsome. Uh, he's a womanizer uh, and a carouser and a drinker and hilarious. 
uh, everything he says is so funny. Excuse me. The next evening, uh, Dick comes to visit her at her home and they chat for a little while and get to know each other. And then Gabriel shows up at her home and then Gabriel and Dick have a pissing contest because Gabriel hates Dick and Dick hates Gabriel. Gabriel is jealous that Jane is even talking to Dick. Like he, um, he demands that he, that she never see Dick. And she's like, you cannot do that to me. I am a grown adult woman. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But she sends Dick away because Gabriel is there for an important reason. Gabriel is there because she has to go and talk to the world council for the equal treatment of the undeads local chapter because Walter died. <laughs> Walter was found burned to death in the trunk of his own car in the parking lot where she kicked his ass. It's a weird accident to have. Yeah, a quote unquote accident. Um, and because Jane's purse was found nearby, she is suspect number one. So she goes to meet with the local council. The local council meets at a cracker barrel. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, so they are f- five or six old and powerful vampires from the area headed by the eternally 16-year-old psychopath Ophelia Lambert, who dresses like a teeny bopper, but will like flay you alive if you use her stapler. <laughs> and her entire office not that we not that that's ever mentioned until way later in the series. Her entire office is decorated in Hello Kitty because she thinks it's funny. Because well, it is. It's hilarious. Yeah. So th- she is questioned by council member Sophie, who can detect lies just by holding your hands. She can determine whether you're telling the truth or not. No, and Sophie you. very quickly determines that Jane didn't murder anybody. And so she's sent on her merry way. When they get back to the car to break the tension of being uh, at a table full of the, uh, the area's oldest and most dangerous vampires, Jane and Gabriel make out for a while. Just for fun. Why not? Because why not? You might as well, uh, but they have to cut it short when some uh, local teenagers notice them and start laughing. <laughs> Jane is given Walter's effects as the winnings of their duel because <laughs> that's how vampires do it. A duel is legal as long as it's recognized by the council and whoever wins gets the other one's shit. I love it. A duel to the death and you get their stuff. I absolutely, I think that's great. I think we should do that more often. Yeah, right. I think we should do that. I was looking up a, uh, a character name. There's an g- excellent Labyrinthian comic book series uh, from the great Jeff Lemire called Black Hammer. And they have a character in that book called Golden Gale. And that's another one of my favorite tropes is a an adult otherwise trapped in a in a child body yeah and golden gale like they have to like to keep up appearances she's like a middle-aged woman but she looks eight so they have to send her to school and she like smokes on the bus and tells the teacher like fuck off man no i'm not doing this that's hilarious i'm not (laughs) then you would really love ophelia lambert's little sister georgie who is also a vampire and she's nine well, see, I uh, not uh, th- yeah, I, I guess so. I, I, I that's a slight variation on the trope, I suppose. I'm thinking of like five. I think it's five from uh, oh yeah, Umbrella yeah. Academy. Yeah, you know the, the Golden Gale. But that's funny too. Like it, it because you end up aging. Yeah. So George, like and having the experiences. Yeah. So yeah. For someone like Georgie, she has the experiences and the education of an adult, but the impulse control of a nine-year-old. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a tangential. Yeah. I yeah. like it. Yeah. I I stand it. It's fun. It's fun. 
They go home. Jane's dad is waiting on the porch just to see her because he hasn't seen her in a few days. So Gabriel gets to meet Jane's dad and they hang out for a while. It's a lovely domestic scene of like very politely turning down pizza and, and, you know, (laughs) just talking to your girlfriend's dad. It will make me vomit, dad. Yeah. But dad doesn't know that she's a vampire. So oh, that's right. They still don't to, know. Yeah, yeah. Pretend. Um, after her dad eventually leaves, there's more making out and general like heavy petting and over the sweater action. Um, but I said, like I said before, this is a slow burn book. So and there, there's not going to be any fucking for a while. Over the next couple of months, Jane keeps to herself. But the following things happen. I've just made a bulleted list. <laughs> uh, Jane notices that she is being watched. Jane gets a job uh, which was advertised as a receptionist but turns out to be a telemarketing position. Jane's car is painted with the words blood-sucking whore in deer blood. She's not a bloodsucker. Or a whore. Or a whore. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Wait a second. That's an inaccurate statement. (laughs) It's almost as if bullies are bullshit. Anyway, she visits Dick and discovers that Dick and Missy... The, our pink-clad realtor yep. friend, are sleeping together. Um, and uh, she tells Dick that she only wants to be his friend. So this is not a love triangle mm-hmm. book. She visits with friends with the friends and family of the undead, which is a support group that Zeb goes to, where Zeb met his new girlfriend, Jolene, who, do not get me started, is the best character in this entire book. Mm-hmm. No offense mm-hmm. to Jane Jameson. Jolene is incredible. I love Jolene, 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 Jolene. You're legally required. You have to. You have to. Dolly would want me to. Yeah. Anyway. uh, So Jolene is a werewolf because there's werewolves in this world, too. Of course there is. Yes. Uh, But werewolves have not made their presence known, Mm. uh, nor have the monsters or the witches because they are the they exist as well. Jane leaves her job, which is awful, 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 as a telemarketer after three hours when her boss expresses anti-vampire sentiment out loud. She visits Gabriel for sympathy kisses and groping at that point. So there's another uh, great (laughs) interlude of not sexy sex. Uh, Yeah. Pity petting. <laughs> Pity petting. Um, on Halloween, Gabriel comes over to watch movies with her, and before they can get to the sexy sex part, they are interrupted by Zeb and Jolene, who have come over with uh, enough food to feed an army because the werewolf's metabolism is so fast that Jolene never isn't eating in any scene in any book that she is in in this entire series. She's like Brad Pitt in the Ocean's yeah. movies. Those were movies that came out in the early 2000s. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the ocean movies. God, you remember when it was exciting? Yeah. When it was exciting to learn that Brad Pitt and George Clooney were going to be in a spy thriller in, in together? Or a movie? heist movie? Shut up! Yeah, that was a big deal. And then they started adding more. And then they finally, ultimately, made the perfect version of the Oceans movie when they did whichever one, Oceans 8? Oceans. I believe it's Oceans 8. I never saw it, but I believe that it was Oceans 8. With Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. and Mindy Kaling and Rihanna and name an incredible woman. And they were all in that movie. I loved that movie. Well, you weren't in it. Aw. No, I wasn't because I'm not as good of an actor as Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Okay, uh, yeah, so okay, there's Halloween, uh, Zeb and Jolene and the incredible amount of food that Jolene can eat. She goes for a walk in old downtown Half Moon Hollow one night and discovers an occult bookshop called Specialty Books. It's just a quirky, odd occult 
bookshop run by a quirky odd old man named Gilbert Wainwright who offers her a job and now Jane has a job that she really loves it's nice after taking a walk one night uh with her dog Fitz uh who's named Fitz after Fitzwilliam Darcy from oh. Pride and Prejudice of course she gets back to her front porch and stops him right before he can take a drink of water from his water dish which has been dosed with antifreeze so there's your animal in peril he's never really in peril because mm. Jane's supernatural senses detect it but somebody tries to kill her dog shortly after that Zeb and Jolene get engaged and they get engaged so fast because werewolves mate for life and Jolene just wants to fuck so they're going to get married uh, and Jane will be their maid of honor. Council member Ophelia visits Jane at work and tells her that the investigation into Walter's death is becoming more complicated because now there are rumors that Jane and Walter were sleeping together and that Jane killed him in a lover's quarrel. Where are Vampires these... are gossipy bitches. It does not matter whether it's true or not. Once the rumor starts, the rumor spreads and that's it, which I think is hilarious. You'd think they would be like cool and aloof and above all that but no they're just like whispering all the time in corners about who's fucking who and who did what to whose mom you'd have to be you would get bored yeah (laughs) you would you would get so bored (laughs) uh being that old anyway so then the next major event that happens is Jane goes to a mixer at Missy's house uh, where a bunch of young vampire professionals come to get together and drink mojitos and pretend that they're special and important. And she spends this entire party getting bullied by all of them because there are also rumors circulating that she and Dick are having sex in public places like the bathroom at the Denny's, the changing room at the Walmart, the back room at the local Jiffy Lube, like Think of a place you shouldn't fuck a person. That's where Jane and D- Jane and Dick have apparently been doing the dirty. So she decides to leave that party after briefly speaking with Dick because Dick is also there because Dick is the one who is actually having sex with Misty regularly. Right. And as she's walking back to her car, she is shot three times in the back by a rifle. <laughs> and it can't kill her. No. But it still fucking hurts. Yeah, it still don't feel great. No. Yeah. Um, so she drives home and the whole time she's driving home, she's trying to figure out who could be fucking with her, watching her, trying to kill her dog, shooting her. And she thinks it's got to be Bud McElroy, the guy who shot her the first time, because how many like she's like, well, statistically speaking, the guy who shot me once is probably the guy who shot me the second time. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it how seems many like... guys are running around town shooting people. Well, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I know. But this was 2009, yeah, so it was, remember? It, yeah, it was significantly fewer. Yeah. So Gabriel comes over to her house while she's trying to heal up from these shots. And he's like, "What? If, what is this I'm hearing about you and Dick doing unspeakable things in the bathroom at the Denny's? Um, he's just pissed off because there's rumors that she and Dick are sleeping together. He doesn't want her to be sleeping with anyone. But there, he, yeah. There's nothing you can do in that Denny's bathroom that's going to make it worse. Swear to God. <laughs> than, than Sorry. Being a Denny's bathroom already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as he realizes that she has been injured, they, that the topic switches over and she brings up the fact that she thinks that Bud McElroy is the one who is fucking with her. He must have realized that he shot her and seen her around town and realized that she's a vampire. So now he's, I don't know, anti-vampire bullying her or something. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel tells her, well, that's not possible because Bud McElroy died two weeks ago in a hunting accident. He fell 
well, he was trying to climb up into his deer stand and the tree collapsed on top of him. But that's not what happened. Gabriel murdered him (laughs) for shooting Jane. He killed Bud. And Jane is fucking pissed about that. She doesn't want anybody to die. Yeah. Even Bud McElroy, the guy who killed her. So uh, they get into a fist fight. And then it becomes a fist fuck. They event- <laughs> this is where they do have sex. Uh, she eventually gets thrown onto her own lead glass coffee table. And then they fuck on top of the big pile of glass. Oh, I know. I know. Who does that? Vampires. Vampires, apparently. <laughs> God. Um, oh, I know. I know. Oh, the I idea know. of picking glass out of my taint. I know. Right. Uh, well, oh. I guess when they're when they're all done, he's like, you got to stand up so that it, it can all like fall like so your body can push it back out again or it'll oh. heal over uh, and then it'll be itchy for a thousand years. Oh. Unpleasant. I know. Uh, but vampire sex is uh, uh, of the blood exchange variety in this world, too. They drink from each other while they're while they're all sweaty and <laughs> combined. So unsanitary. I know. But it's not like you can get diseases. No. You're a vampire. No. Nothing can kill you. After the orgasm fest that was the previous night, Jane wakes up uh, in the morning to a voicemail from Dick... Uh, telling her to come over as soon as possible. And when she goes over to his trailer and knocks on the door, it explodes. Mm-hmm. She gets thrown back into her own car and is knocked unconscious. When she wakes up, she is in a council hospital room. She is chained to the bed and uh, she is being held for uh, for investigation because nobody can find Dick. There, um, and his trailer was exploded. Well, so. yeah, he's missed yeah um (laughs) he will be missed uh uh, so she's told that she's going to be held until the council can make a decision on how to handle the situation because this is the second death that has been attributed to her in the last couple of months they eventually come back to her and tell her that there will not be a trial of any kind because missy has claimed her right to trial by combat (laughs) And so they're going to have a duel. But before she can be released for that duel, Dick comes to visit her in her holding cell because Dick didn't die. He is not missed. (laughs) Dick has a fireproof compartment under his trailer because he is a shady motherfucker who works with other shady motherfuckers. Yeah. So he's fine. Cost of business. Inside of his fireproof box. So they Dick gets her out of the holding cell and they she goes home and on the way home Dick tells her the last of what she needs to know which is that Missy the realtor is trying to build a planned gated vampire community but she needs the River Oaks property to finish the land spread that she needs. Mm. And so Missy is the one who attempted to blow up Dick's trailer to kill dick so that she could claim the right to trial by combat so that she could kill jane and get the property that way because she can't get jane to sell the entire time like this entire book every time she talks to missy missy is trying to get her to sell the property Mm -hmm. but she can't do it so instead she's decided okay we're just gonna go we're gonna do this the hard way i'm going to murder her and take all of her stuff so but by what right would missy have to declare trial by combat in the death of a vampire she's just fucking uh because they are consorts that's that's all it takes 
So she is, she is his she is his consort. He is her consort and she gets to train she gets to claim trial by combat. Well, so the thing is like it's not like they have marriage. Vampire marriage isn't legal in the United States in this book and it's not like you would necessarily want to get married when till death do us part doesn't exist. No, I just, I, I just, so I any, thought it was more casual between yeah, Missy and Dick. That's what I thought too, but any established relationship could count. And so Missy has claimed her right to trial by combat and she's already filed all of the paperwork with the council. So even though Dick is still alive, it doesn't matter. They're still gonna duel. No. <laughs> yeah. So she gets home and she has a voicemail waiting for her on her uh, answering machine, which was a thing that used to exist, children. And um, it's Missy. Missy has kidnapped Jane's parents in order to force her to come to her home to have this duel. So Jane and Dick go to Missy's house. Jane's sister, Jenny, is also at Missy's house because Missy has surreptitiously befriended Jenny as well to get more information on Jane. Missy is super villain level crazy. Yeah, no shit. Um, and she believes that um, land is the only thing that can never let you down. Uh, so which Jane says that uh, she has based her entire supervillain philosophy off of a, a Lex Luthor, um, which I <laughs> thought was really funny. This book is hilarious. Like a lot of the, a lot of the, the references are dated just by virtue of time yeah. <laughs> passing it, it happens. but some of it some of it is eternal like the vampires themselves and the Lex Luthor joke will never die because Lex Luthor has been an asshole since what 1954 or something give or take so Missy does like a super villain monologue thing uh which is enough time for Gabriel and Zeb to show up because Dick called Gabriel and Gabriel called Zeb and now we're all here to watch Jane get her ass kicked um <laughs> we're good friends yeah Missy has been drinking the blood of much older vampires for a very long time, so she's juiced. <laughs> so this is not a fair fight Vampiroids. either. Yeah. Um, so Gabriel feeds Jane some of his much older blood to give her the little bit of boost that she needs, and they have the cat fight to end all fucking cat fights. There's like hair pulling and face slapping and screeching and like nails clawing faces and stuff. They're also punching each other and throwing each other like across the yard because they have supernatural strength and speed, but they're pissy cat fighting because neither one of them is like a martial arts expert. Yeah. And in the end, what ends up happening is Jane gets a, a shoulder, in, a wood shoulder injury from running into Missy's porch. And then a bunch of Missy's yard signs get knocked down from behind her, the back of her shed. <laughs> and Jane uses one of her own yard signs to stake Missy to the ground. And she wins the fight. Hooray. Jane won. She didn't die. And uh, now her parents know that she's a vampire. <laughs> and the first thing that her mother says, because remember I said this was an allegory for being gay. The first thing her mother says to her is, well, have you just tried not being gay? Or, <laughs> being have you tried not being a vampire? <laughs> well, we just need to get you to, in to see Dr. Simmons. He'll get this all sorted out for you, et cetera, et cetera. We'll just her, get you a quick little blood transfusion. You'll be good, yeah, good to go. Her, uh, her mom cannot brain her brain around the fact that her daughter is a vampire and her father is just incredibly disappointed that she d thought she couldn't tell him and so her family leaves um her sister 
has straight up anti-vampire sentiment, never wants to talk to her again and is now going to sue her for her right to the house that she didn't get. Because she thought, so Jenny thought that given enough time, Jane would eventually leave town. Yeah. And that Jenny would get the house. But now Jane's never going to die and never going to leave. And Jenny's never going to get the house. So instead, they're going to have a legal battle about the stuff inside of it. It's so fucking stupid. Eventually, they do repair that relationship as well. But it takes a long time. There are four books in this series. By the time you get to the end of book four, all of the relationships are happy and healthy and everything's all healed up. But it takes a long time. Okay. So Jane's parents leave. Jenny leaves. Dick goes back to the council to report what happened in the duel because apparently Dick Cheney, the shadiest motherfucker in Half Moon Hollow, is also approved as like a like a like a duel watcher. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Gotta get recertified every three years. <laughs> get a cool badge. Yeah, and that's the end of the book epilogue jane goes into her old place of employment and subtly intimidates her old boss into signing her undead unemployment paperwork uh because even though she was technically fired before she was undead it was the same night and she can just sort of fudge that yeah and she walks out to the veterans memorial in town square where she finds gabriel waiting for her and they kiss under the stars and thus begins a long journey through Half Moon Hollow, which ends f- like 19 books and 12 years later. <laughs> I know that when we conceived this show and started planning this show, you said that you wanted to, at least early on, avoid Molly Harper because, you know, she's you've read so many books and there's so many books in the series and, you know, she's yeah. kind of a bigger name. We wanted to focus on some of the smaller names. But seeing how happy talking about this book made you today just made my day. Aww. So I'm so glad that you made that choice. I had a lot of fun. I love I I I, I mean, I'm I'm I love comedy. I'm a comedy nerd. I was a comedian. I love when things that aren't necessarily always funny are funny. I like when you run things through a funny filter. When you run romance, be it smut, slow burn, whatever, mm-hmm. through that that it's it strikes me as more real because that's life you know i mean that you yeah. have you have to laugh to get through the because otherwise the the tedium of everyday life would just kill you yeah and it was very funny i mean just 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 hearing you very broad stroke it was very funny yeah so i'm glad you made that i'm glad you called that audible i'm glad that you uh decided to do that and i'm glad that you shared that with me because i know how much you love molly harper oh god i love her so much I, when when i first thought of doing this show what like a year ago now more than a year ago now yeah I made a list of the books that I wanted to cover and I originally wanted to do one of her standalone books which is called and one last thing which is also a great book highly recommended it's about a woman who's who finds out that her husband is leaving her for his secretary and she torches his entire professional life I remember you telling by sending, Tell me about that. By sending his newsletter, which she has been in charge of for years as his un, you know, unseen labor. Uh, and one last thing, my husband is a lying, cheating, conniving, secretary fucking piece of shit. And then she goes off to the woods for a little while to get her head straight and she meets her hot, you know, cranky neighbor. Like, it's a great book. But this book is the first Molly Harper book I ever read. And it has such a special place in my heart. I have read it gotta be 10 times by now i know 
every important thing that happens in the series from beginning to end. I could tell you in very broad strokes what happens in every single book from beginning to end. I'm sure you could. It's I love it so much. And I don't care that it's dated and corny. And I don't care that it's probably a little problematic in a lot of ways now. It's my favorite. It's like a hug. Yeah. It's every, I read it and I, or well, I listen to it and I hear Amanda Ronconi doing all of the voices and it makes me feel so much better that I don't care what's wrong with it. It's it's perfect and it's mine in my own special way. I love this book. Yeah. And I love you. And I love you. And baby. I love seeing you happy. Yeah. You can find us on social media. We are on TikTok and Instagram at Cheap Smut. If you feel like reaching out to us and sending us an email, you can do that Cheap Smut Pod at gmail.com. The music that we use in every episode is called Nostalgia by Makai Beats. You can find it along with thousands of others, thousands of other free songs for you to use at the Free Music Archive, freemusicarchive.org. What are we doing next week? Next week we are doing The Dalwick Demon by Ashley Bennett. Excellent. D- the Dalwick Demon the by Dalwick Ashley Demon. Bennett. Correct. Make sure to like and subscribe, rate the show, review the show. That always helps us get a little bit of extra reach and starts to grow the show because we would continue to do we would continue to do this show even if nobody listened. Oh yeah, because I am our number one listener. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I edit the show and then immediately send it to her so she can listen to it. <laughs> yes, and then I listen to it repeatedly all week long. Yeah. I don't care that it's weird. I listen to my own that's podcast. Why, that's why I don't even worry about the Stitcher metrics because you've completely skewed them. Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> Who's listening? My wife, my wife, my wife, my wife, my wife, my wife. <laughs> and me. 15 times in one week. Yeah, I listen to two podcasts. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I listen to three podcasts. Uh, I, I skim ours when I edit it. I skim Put Me In Coach, and then I listen to Get Played. And that's pretty much it. Oh, and Song Exploder is a really good one, too. But anyway, send us home. All right, listener, if there is a book in you, write it. And if there's fucking in it, I'll read it. And then she will come on this show and explain it to me for your entertainment. Thank you very much for listening to me rant about my favorite book of all time. I hope you have a great day, night, whatever you're doing right now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.